You are listening to the teaching podcast of Praise Community Church in Mason City, Iowa. For more information about our church, please visit praisecc.org. I love about being able to do two services is you get to correct your mistakes from the first service. So first service, I was up here doing the green bean thing, you know, and um, talking about, you know, what they could buy that for. And so, you know, I kind of just said, you know, they can buy 24 of these for a dollar eight. And I said, do you realize that is less than half a penny a can? Yeah. Yeah, and everybody's just kind of sitting there looking at me, and I see out of the corner of my eyes, somebody over here has this, like, really kind of scowl on their face, and they're shaking their head no, and then I kind of realize I did not do the math right on that. So, um, Janie, not to tattle on her, but she had kind of come into the service after I had done that, and, and she seated, I said, I'm just going to tell you right now, honey, I said, I, I totally messed up a simple math equation uh, in the service, you're going to hear about it. She said, I already did. <laughs> I don't get away with anything in here. It's, so anyway, uh, it, you know, that, that's, the, that's the fun of being able to do two services. When you do something like that, you kind of get to be able to come back and make yourself look a lot smarter than you really are. Um, so anyway, um, as many of you know, last week we were kind of scheduled to do um, our kind of one service uh, where we were going to kind of do just a presentation, um, visioning uh, time with the congregation. And many of you know the weather uh, really did not cooperate very well last weekend. And we ended up having to uh, postpone that. And I know for a lot of you, it may have been shocking that you kind of received that notification on Thursday uh, afternoon, thought maybe we were maybe overreacting, kind of being uh, kind of henny-penny about it. Uh, the reality was, was the reason we had to make that decision when we made it really had a lot more to do with the meal than it did the service, because uh, we knew that there was a lot of preparation that was going to start happening um, Thursday night, food-wise, um, for that, um, and we did not want to be preparing all of this food for everybody and then have it, you know, kind of be really bad like it was, cancel, and then a lot of food goes to waste. So we had to make a decision pretty early on uh, what to do about that, and so we just decided rather than go through and prepare all of that and have very few people be able to make it that Sunday morning, that we really felt it was important enough to get as many of you here as possible that we just decided, let's just go ahead um, and, and, and postpone that and push it to another day. Well, we're going to do that uh, one meeting followed by the meal next Sunday morning at 10 o'clock. Again, we want to inconvenience everybody, uh, so everybody's kind of got to give something up. Uh, you know, you guys are going to have to get here uh, earlier. First service, they're going to have to wait a little later to come. Uh, so we kind of wanted to inconvenience everybody. Uh, there'll be no Praise Cafe, but, you know, in place of that, we're going to offer a complimentary meal. You don't need to bring anything. You don't need to sign up. You don't need to make reservations. Uh, just come. We've got it all covered. We're going to serve you. Uh, again, it's just an opportunity 
opportunity kind of just to celebrate a new beginnings um, and, and just kind of come together uh, as a congregation and just to enjoy, you know, some fellowship together. So that's going to be next Sunday morning. Again, the trustees, the elders have really been working uh, very hard uh, to, to change um, some things, to, you know, um, begin doing some different things. They kind of want to just update you on a lot of the changes that they've made uh, since, you know, uh, last June. And we just thought there's no better way to do that than just bring everybody together. It is not for members only, okay? If you're here this morning and this is your first time here, welcome. We're glad to have you here. But you are invited to be a part of that um, next Sunday too. So this is not you know, just members only. It is open to anyone um, and everyone. So we look forward uh, to having you here next Sunday morning. Also, I forgot to mention this first service, but I want to just say um, we're going to be meeting here at 2.30 today to kind of do some caroling. Um, we're going to have a meal um, together. So if you're available, um, we'd love to have you come. We're just going to, I think, go to some nursing homes. Is that right? Um, and kind of just go through uh, and just sing Christmas carols um, there for them. There's just a, so many of them um, that you know, are often forgotten, um, not just during this time of year, but throughout the year. And so it's just nice to be able to go and just to spread uh, some Christmas cheer, you know, the gospel message through song. So just encourage and invite uh, all of you just to come back this afternoon at 2.30. And let's just, you know, go out and, again, just uh, share the, the good news of the gospel uh, with people, uh, again, that uh, are often forgotten uh, during this time of year. Also, we want to just let you know, for the remainder of this year, and I know I'm giving you a lot of uh, information, um, but for the remainder of this year, uh, the following Sunday, so next Sunday, the 23rd and the 30th of December, we're just going to do one service at 10 o'clock. Uh, there's a lot of reasons for that, um, but we just felt like uh, it was just a good thing to do. So, you know, for the next three Sundays, for the remainder of December, one service only, 10 o'clock, no praise cafe. There will be coffee. We want to keep you happy. Um, so there will be coffee, uh, but just no praise cafe. And then in January, we'll get back to our regular services. Also, for just a host of reasons, we are not going to be doing Christmas Eve this year. Uh, it was a very difficult decision uh, to make, but we just felt in light of uh, a lot of issues, uh, we just were not uh, able to do that this year. So we're going to take a break, uh, but we will uh, provide uh, the names of churches, times uh, where they will be having Christmas Eve services, so you, your family, uh, can go and celebrate uh, Christmas Eve there if you're inclined to do so. Uh, Callie did print some um, information off on the uh, visitor's table, and I think we've got like four or five different churches uh, here in the Mason City area that will be hosting Christmas Eve, uh, the times, and you can kind of just grab uh, one of those. But we just kind of wanted to let you know of our plans uh, this year for Christmas uh, Eve. Now, let me just kind of start off uh, by making a statement in the form of a question. Why is it we always expect bad news, especially when it comes from people who are in authority over us? Maybe people who kind of have charge over us. Why is it we always expect bad news when it comes from people who are in authority 
over us. You get a letter from the IRS and immediately your, can, your hands kind of start to shake and tremble as you hold that envelope because you kind of think inside, there's bad news. They're going to audit me. I have made a mistake on my income tax. I didn't deduct something I should have or I deducted uh, something uh, and, and I'm going to have to pay a hefty fine. I'm going to go to jail and, and our mind just begins to run wild. You know, the police pull you over in your car or they come to your door and immediately we're, we're kind of just thinking bad news. I mean, wh what did I do? How did they know that? How fast was I going? Am I going to get a ticket? I'm going to get arrested. I'm going to go to jail. And, and again, we just start to break out in a cold sweat. Or maybe your boss calls you into his or her office and immediately you begin to think, oh, no. I'm, I'm going to get demoted. I'm going to get written up. I'm going to get fired. If you're a parent and you want to talk to your kids, what's the first thing they ask you? What did I do wrong? Am I in trouble? When I was in school, we had an intercom system. I don't know if they have those anymore today, but it seemed like every day there would come you know, a call over the intercom system into our classroom. It would be the secretary. And she would interrupt the teacher and say, could you please send so-and-so to the office? Or could you send so-and-so to see the principal? And what would be the reaction of the rest of the classroom? Ooh, you're in trouble. You've done something wrong. If it was you, the principal wanted to see. Immediately, you kind of begin to think of all of the bad things you've done. And you're kind of thinking, how did they find out about that? Again, there is just this sense that if there is an authority over me and he or she needs to talk to me, we just assume it's going to be bad. And, and it's, it's pervasive. It's this way in every culture. It's this way with every person. It's been this way throughout history. There's nothing unique about us. And I don't know where it came from. I don't know if it comes from the way we were raised, if it comes from certain messages in our culture, from television, from the music we listen to. But wherever this kind of came from, it seems that the universal message is if someone is in authority, if someone is in charge of me, and they have a message for me, it is not going to be good news. Now here's the odd thing. Somewhere along the way, we have attached this reaction, this response to our relationship with God. If you were to get a letter from God, you would probably stand there with hands trembling, fearful, not wanting to open that letter because you would assume that God is going to begin talking about some things that you've done wrong. For most of us, if God were in the next room and God was wanting to talk to you, most of us would just assume that when we get face to face with God, God is going to want to begin to talk about all of the things we've done wrong. So for most of us, there is just this sense 
that when it comes to God and he has a message for me, we just have this sense, it's not gonna be good. It's gonna be bad news. And for most of us, this idea of just coming before God We just think that we're going to have to give him an account or we're going to have to begin to explain why we did certain things we did, why we said certain things we said. I think this is one of the reasons uh, oftentimes a lot of people don't go to church. To go to church is kind of just, you know, one step closer, you know, to that thing, to interacting with that issue, that idea, that past decision And when it comes to God, there's just kind of a lot of fear and trepidation for a lot of people. And again, this is Christian, non-Christian alike. When it comes to God, we're kind of just scared to death. And again, I don't know exactly where that comes from. Maybe it's the way a former pastor kind of presented God to you. Maybe it was the way a particular church experience that you had and, and their theology, their way of thinking and viewing God. Maybe it was just, you know, the pastor was kind of odd and weird, and so you kind of just think God is odd and weird. Maybe it's just you've been overly disciplined. I don't know. But regardless of where it comes from, Again, there just seems to be this universal sense for all people, all cultures, all ages, that if I got to go one-on-one with God, if I got to do business with God, it's going to be bad news and it's going to be absolutely frightening. But here's the interesting thing. The real message of Christmas When we begin to understand the truth of the message of Christmas, it has the power, it has the potential to begin to undo all that kind of thinking. If you and I were really to understand, I mean, fully embrace the message of Christmas, that is, if the Christmas story really ever got from here to here, we would not react the way we do when it comes to our thinking about God. If we were to really embrace and understand the true message of Christmas, I believe we would no longer interact with God based on our guilt, our shame. We would no longer interact with God based on any kind of fear. And the irony is most of us, we know the Christmas story You've heard the Christmas story so many times that this good news isn't really new news. Many of us have even played a part in the Christmas story. Maybe you as a child were part of the nativity scene and you dressed up as Mary, as Joseph, one of the shepherds. Maybe you got to put on a sheep costume and be one of the animals in the nativity scene. Again, the Christmas story is not new news. But why is it we can read it over and over and over? We can hear the Christmas story again and again and again, and we can even act it out. And yet the real 
message, the real story of Christmas eludes us. I believe the story of Christmas, the way God intended the Christmas story to be understood, is that it contains a life-changing message because it is intended to do away with all that weird, unhealthy, bad news fear of God. Because that fear that I'm scared to death of God can keep you from experiencing true, deep, lasting intimacy with God who paid a very high price to have a relationship with you. It is impossible to develop any degree of intimacy in a relationship that's filled with unhealthy fear because the two are mutually exclusive. This morning, I want to look at the Christmas story, just a bit of it from Luke chapter 2. And this occurred in the first century and In this time that the Christmas story comes to us, it is just an unbelievable time of fear in that particular time of history. The Christmas story, Jesus' birth, it kind of unfolds at a time when the Jewish nation was supposedly kind of in this really good covenant relationship with God, you know, where God was kind of for them and with them. It's also during this period of of time that Rome kind of has the Jewish nation kind of by the throat, you know, and they've had them there for the past 40 years. They're overtaxing them. The religious system pretty much is kind of just, you know, falling apart. It's in shambles. You know, the, the, the Jewish priests, they had kind of, you know, just changed their thinking. You know, if, if you can't beat Rome, you might as well join them. There was all of this confusion and upheaval everywhere, politically, socially, financially. Things for the Jewish people at this particular time in history could not have been any worse. They were overtaxed. They had no voice, no participation in the government. And if that wasn't bad enough, The Christmas story of Luke chapter 2 begins with a decision made by Caesar for a census to be taken and everyone had to return to their homeland to be accounted for. And this decision, this decree, it affected everybody's life. It inconvenienced everybody. It turned everybody's world upside down and there was nothing they could do about it but obey. And in the midst of all of this upheaval, confusion, fear, God, who had been silent for the last 400 years, breaks his silence, and he makes himself known. And he brings them a message that was the best news they could ever hope to hear. So let's look at Luke chapter 2, beginning in verse 8. In that same region, there were some shepherds staying out in the fields, keeping watch over their flocks by night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were what? Terrified. Wow. 
Bad news is coming. Boy, are we going to get it. God is here to punish us. Run and hide. And the angel said to them, what? Yep. Don't be afraid. I bring you Good news, not bad news. Good news of a great joy that is for all the people. Now, I just want to pause here because, again, when we read this, our tendency is just, you know, to kind of pass through that quickly. The angel was saying, God has a message for you, and it's not bad news. It is good news of great joy. And he said, it's not good news for just holy people. It's not just good news for righteous people. It's not just good news for people who have got their act together. It's not just good news for people who are kind of consistently following all of the rules and regulations. He said, it's not even good news for just Jewish people. The news that God has is good news for all people. The angel is saying, God has decided to do something. And it has nothing to do with anyone's behavior. God has decided to do something. And he is going to go against that human thinking that kind of says only good things happen to good people. God is going to do something and it's going to go against that human rule that says you get exactly what you deserve. God is going to forego all of that because the message of Christmas, what God is about to do is good news of great joy for everyone. Which means your behavior, your personal righteousness your attempt to be good, your inconsistencies, your promises to try to do better next time, even your sins are irrelevant to this. This is something God has decided to do irrespective of anything to do with us, because of us. But in spite of you. And that's why the angel says, you don't need to be afraid. See, the thing that makes you and me afraid is when we think about doing business with God or seeing God someday, we think about all of the stuff we've done, both the good and the bad. And the angel says, you know what? I've got good news of great joy, and this is about what God is doing. It has nothing to do with what you have or have not done, and this is something that is for everyone. And he goes on and says, here's why this is good news. In Luke 2.11, he says, for today, this day, in the city of David, there is born for you a coach a disciplinarian, a boss, a teacher, an encourager. No, today in the city of David, there has been born for you a 
Savior, which is Christ the Lord. God knew exactly what every one of us needed. And it wasn't a teacher, it wasn't a coach, it wasn't, you know, an encourager, a disciplinarian. You don't need a second chance, you don't need more rules, and you certainly don't need to try harder. God knows exactly what you and I needed. So we don't have to leverage our relationship with God based on what we have or have not done. God has given us a savior to save us from ourselves, from our sins, from all of our efforts of trying to be everything we think God wants us to be. And he says, this savior is good news of great joy for all people. Verse 13 goes on to say, suddenly, and I want you to get this in your mind, here's this one singular angel who has appeared to the shepherds and again evoked great fear. Now I want you to see that one shepherd being joined by a multitude of angels. Can you imagine what that did to the shepherds? Because what they were about to proclaim was too much for just one voice. The message they were about to proclaim was too great for just one angel. So they're joined this one, a multitude of angels, because they wanted to amplify this next part. And so suddenly, a great company multitude of the heavenly hosts appeared with that one angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest. What is that again in Latin? Uh, Yes, Gloria in excelsis Deo. Glory to God in the highest. And on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. Wow, what a message, what a proclamation. Glory to God. I mean, you know, Callie kind of told you what the Latin means. Let me tell you what that phrase, glory to God, means. It it simply means God gets all the credit. God gets all the praise. God gets all of the thanks for what he is about to do. This idea, this Savior coming was God's idea. It was leveraged by God. It was initiated by God. It is all about God. And it has nothing to do with you and me in terms of what we've done or haven't done, what we deserve and what we don't deserve. This is for all people, irrespective of the good, the bad, the ugly, the righteous, the unrighteous, for those who know God's name, for those who don't know God's name. This is something that God has decided to do for all people, so God gets all the credit. Glory to God in the highest, and we get something in return. And on earth, peace to men on whom his favor rests. This is so huge. I mean, this is the message of Christmas. It's why a multitude of angels had to proclaim this. When you and I understand that God sent a savior into this world 
and that God has offered forgiveness, redemption, salvation to every single person, regardless of what you have or haven't done. When that kind of begins to settle in your heart, you embrace that. Again, God gets all of the credit, and you are left with the peace. But as long as you and I continue to leverage and try to factor in what we have or haven't done into our relationship with God, as long as it becomes more about us and less about him, God doesn't get any credit because God really hasn't done anything spectacular. As long as God is treating you and treating other people the way we deserve to be treated, he's just like everybody else. Everybody else does that. Your teachers do that. Your boss does that. Your coach does that. Your workplace does that. When it's time to hand out bonuses, good job, here's what you deserve. Anytime you and I get exactly what we think we do or don't deserve, that is not good news. At best, it's fair news. As long as we're coming to God and we're factoring into our relationship and leveraging the relationship again based on what I've done or I haven't done on my own goodness, my own righteousness, my own efforts. God gets very little credit and we get very little peace. Because you could have always done more. Been on that treadmill before? Oh, I could have been a better parent Oh, I should have been a better employee. I could have always been a better spouse. I could have always been whatever. I, I could have always done more to salvage that first marriage. There's always going to be something you can drudge up that you can begin to kind of leverage in that relationship and you're just gonna say, I haven't done as well as I could have, but God, here's what I promise from here on out, things will be different. Anytime we come to God with that attitude, that approach, it becomes more about what we need to do than what God has done on our behalf. And if I'm gonna judge, and if God is gonna judge me, and God's going to relate to me based upon my performance, then there's always going to be an element of fear in that because we always could have done more. We always could have done better. When you and I get to the place where we actually accept and embrace the true message of Christmas, and we just decide once and for all that my relationship with God has absolutely nothing to do with what I've done. When we get to that point and we just surrender to that, God is going to get a lot of credit. God is going to get a lot of glory. And we are going to be left with a lot of peace. Look at that last phrase in verse 14. On whom God's favor rest. 
The message of Christmas is God sent his son into the world to purchase salvation and to bring us into a right, whole, healthy relationship with God. And through that plan, God gets the credit. God gets the glory. We get the peace because he says God's favor, God's pleasure. That's what that word favor means. It means God's pleasure rest upon you. First John 4.18 says this, there is no fear in love. There is no fear in agape. That's what the word is in the Greek. That's God's love. That's the love by which God loves us. In agape love, there is no fear. And the reason for that is because fear has always been linked to punishment is what John says. It says, there is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. It's linked to punishment. Anytime we have fear, especially in our relationship with God, it has to do with punishment. We think God has a score to settle with us. And John says, you know what? Agape love, perfect love, when you understand the love of God, it drives out all of that fear. All of that sense of God is out to get me. God is out to punish me. God is out to settle the score. He says, no, no, no. Perfect love will drive all of that fear out. The one who fears has not yet been made or has been perfected in love. This is John. This is one of the disciples that that walked and lived with Jesus for three and a half years. And he's saying that this is a relationship. God wants a relationship with each of us that is characterized by this unconditional love. So much so that there's no fear that comes to us when we think about engaging God in our relationship. And again, the problem with not embracing and receiving, understanding the message of Christmas is you're just left with fear. You're left with a list of things you could have and should have done better. And as long as you're left with fear, you will never have the kind of loving, intimate relationship God wants to have with you because again, fear and unconditional love, they're mutually exclusive But into this world, God sent his son. And by sending Jesus into the world, God drove out the fear that was between God and mankind because perfect sacrificial love is going to create a relational environment that when you understand it, you're just going to go, wow, this is incredible. This is spectacular. Look at what God has done for me just because he wanted to, just because his favor, his pleasure rests upon me. And and this was all done while we were yet sinners. The angels making this proclamation before Jesus ever went to the cross to atone for our sins. He's saying, you got to understand God's favor rests upon you. His pleasure rests upon you. 
Perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. It's linked to punishment. The reason there is this unhealthy, unbiblical, ungodly fear is because you know you deserve to be paid back for what you've done. There's there's that sense in all of us. Regardless of how you view God, you know in your heart there are things that haven't been right and you know you deserve to be paid back so fear is there and the message of Christmas is simply this God has decided he's not going to pay back the human race God has decided to send his son and allow him to be the punishment to be the penalty for my sins and yours And again, as you embrace this very simple, profound message of Christmas, fear is driven out and it's replaced with unconditional, sacrificial, agape love. It's it's the same kind of love the Father loved Jesus with. It's the same kind of love that he loves you and me with. And when you worship God, and you kind of get your heart aligned with that truth, As you worship God, you just begin to say, all glory to God, all thanks to God, all credit goes to God. And you and I were given that peace that passes understanding. This Bible says it is is not a peace that comes from the world. As a matter of fact, it is a peace that is designed to guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. You know, when when that kind of Peace is guarding your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. There's nowhere for fear to come in. There's no opening for guilt. There's no way shame comes into that. So the simple message of Christmas is really quite simple. Fear not. Don't be afraid. My favor, my pleasure rest fully on you. Fear not, because I'm sending, I'm gonna give you what you need most. You may not realize it right now, but you will. I'm not gonna send you another altered set of rules so you can feel better about yourself. I'm gonna send you a savior because you need to be saved from yourself. You need to be saved from your sins. And that savior is Christ the Lord. And if you'll ever come to grips with the fact that this is a gift, a free gift to all people. All you gotta do is receive it, give me the glory, give me the thanks, give me the credit, and you get the peace. Let me close by asking you this question. What if God were to come to you personally and say to you by name, fear not, my pleasure rests upon you. Joquin, fear not. My pleasure, my favor rest upon you. Don, fear not, God says. My pleasure, my favor rest upon you. Ryan, fear not. Don't be afraid. My favor, my pleasure rests upon you. What if God came to each and every one of us and personally 
said that. What would be your reaction? What would be your response to that? Well, but then you haven't understood the message of Christmas. But if your response is, thanks be to God, oh, thank you, Father, thank you, Jesus, I don't, do, it, it has nothing to do with that. I pray this Christmas season we wouldn't just read the Christmas story and miss the message. If you miss the message, then you've really missed the real reason of the story of Christmas. And you've missed, again, that announcement, that proclamation, that invitation to salvation. God sent his son, Jesus Christ, and Jesus willingly came specifically for our salvation. Jesus willingly went to the cross, paid the ultimate price for our sins so that we could be forgiven Christmas is the announcement of salvation, communion this morning. It is the announcement of wholeness, of restoration, and forgiveness. Amen? Let's stand together this morning. Father, again, we just thank you for the good news of Christmas. We thank you, Father, that it is good news of great joy. And Father, we thank you that it is for all people of all ages irregardless of any circumstances. Father, we thank you, Lord, that your favor, your pleasure rests upon us. And God, that's got absolutely nothing to do with anything we have done or not done. So Father, I pray this morning that you would awaken any hearts here this morning, God, that don't understand that, that really have never really understood the true message of Christmas, that, God, you would awaken our hearts to that truth, that you would awaken our hearts to that powerful, divine love, that agape love, that love with which you love Jesus. It's the same love with which you love us, and it is that love that will drive out any and all fear that wants to come into our relationship with you and make it about us. And it's not. It's about you, about what you chose to do because of your great love for us, and Jesus came to do for us what we could never do for ourselves, Father. We thank you for that. We thank you, Father, that it's got nothing to do with deserving, but it has everything to do with your great love, your mercy, your compassion for lost, sinful mankind. And Lord, for that, we just stand in awe and we thank you for all that you have done for us through your son, Jesus Christ. And God, may that message come alive and resonate within our hearts and our spirit. May it influence the way we think, we speak, and we walk. And Father, again, we thank you for the favor and pleasure that rests on us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. For more information about Praise Community Church, including gathering times and events, please visit us at praisecc.org.